through the suit. It appeared on my second brother the next Easter. And when he outgrew the suit, it appeared on me the next Easter. And on and on life went, a perpetual cycle of hand-me-downs. And now I'm watching my own children pass down outgrown clothes to the next grandchild and the next one and to the one after that. We're conditioned in life to outgrow things, to, to get beyond them, even with a house. We have what we call the starter home. That's just the beginning. Then we move on to something else. When we moved to Charleston almost 26 years ago, my family of seven moved out of an 1,100-square-foot house into a 2,500-square-foot house. And I wondered, when we moved in, what have we done? What are we going to do with a house this big? We didn't even have furniture to fill it up. But you know the end of this story, don't you? As the five children grew into teenagers, I said, what have we done? This house is too small. We need a bigger house. We're conditioned to outgrow things to get beyond them. Well, what about God and His truth and His ways? Is it not the conditioning goal of the media, of Hollywood, of secular universities, of political parties to shame us into growing up, to leave behind and to move beyond, to acknowledge that, well, now we have finally outgrown God and advanced beyond Him. Well, let's think about that for a minute. God is period. Do you believe that? God is. Amen? Whether he's acknowledged or not, the heavens declare it. Sun, moon, stars, and their courses above join with all nature in manifold witness. God is. And since God is, he is infinite, and he is eternal. And when this God came to earth and took on flesh. He was called the Word and the Truth. And so now we're talking about infinite truth and eternal truth. And that brings us now to the importance of this day. The day of Pentecost. The day the Spirit of God came to indwell His people. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit that He called truth, that the Spirit would guide us into how much truth? All truth. So how can there be any outgrowing? How can there be any growing beyond the God who is infinite truth? On the contrary. The Spirit of God leading the way, our lives become a journey with Christ, deeper and deeper and deeper into all the truth of God. And our lives become manifestations of the work of the Holy Spirit continually giving us the capacity that our human nature does not have 
and cannot achieve to explore the vastness of an infinite God. Each day with the Spirit is the promise. It's the hope that more will come, better and greater, as we move not beyond, just further into what we will never completely attain. And of course, all that the Spirit gives us and all that the Spirit reveals to you and to me is to be taken by us out into the world with the power that the Spirit gives us each day with the Spirit. The promise of a better day, a greater day, a day of more and more and more. And that's what we're going to talk about as we return this morning to 1 Peter chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to take those now. Turn toward the very end of the New Testament to 1 Peter chapter 1. And when you've found your place, I'm going to ask you to stand so that we might hear, read together, the word of the living God. First Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 22, this is the word of the Lord. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass. And all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Let's pray. Father, oh, as you've been blessing for 2,000 years, we pray that you would do it again. Bless the preaching of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. As we look at these verses, we cannot fail to notice the emphasis that's placed on the Word of God and the extraordinary claims that are made for that Word. Verse 23 says that we've been born again, born again through the living and abiding Word of God. Verse 25 says the Word remains forever. It's eternal. It's unfading. It's unfailing. So we'll never outgrow it. We'll never grow beyond it. Throughout this entire chapter, we've seen the centrality of the Word. We've read through these many weeks of prophecy of prophets, of revelation, of announcements, and preaching through the Holy Spirit. Words, 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 words. And then with this very blunt statement, chapter 1 ends. Peter writes, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. Now what memories, what associations, would come to the minds of at least some of these people from some of these churches when they hear in this letter Peter link the words good news and the word preaching. 
Well, for them, it most certainly would have taken some of them back to the day of Pentecost. This verse is very much a verse that points to and displays the power of Pentecost. And and here's why I say that. Luke reports in Acts chapter 2 that on the day of Pentecost, multiple thousands of people had gathered into Jerusalem to celebrate. And while they were there, they heard this sound of a mighty rushing wind. And so all of them rushed to the place from which they thought this sound had emanated. And when they got to that place, Luke tells us that they heard the disciples speaking. And they were all bewildered because all of them heard the disciples speaking in their own language. Luke writes these words from those people. In Acts chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And how is it that we hear? Each of us in his own native language. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia. Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Now, hold on to that. Let's come back to 1 Peter chapter 1 and look in verse 1. We read there, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. You see, it's the same names. The people who were in the audience on the day of Pentecost, more than 30 years earlier, are some of the same people that Peter addresses in this letter. And what did those people hear on the day of Pentecost? They heard the good news of the gospel in a sermon from Peter. And what was the result of that sermon? 3,000 people became believers in Christ. Watch out. And what did those new believers do after Pentecost? They went back to their hometowns. And what happened when they went back home? They spoke the gospel with their mouths because of the presence and the power of the Spirit of God in their hearts. And what happened? More people came to faith. More people became devoted disciples and churches were planted. And now, 30 years after Pentecost, Peter Pentecost's preacher is penning a letter to five churches that were planted because of Pentecost. Why is that? Isaiah 55 gives us the answer. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, So my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. There's the answer. 
The reason for the church is because God's word does not return void, empty. It produces life. It brings forth fruit. And then this gives us hope, you and me. It gives us direction for our lives. Our goal is not to move beyond, to leave behind the smallness, the restrictiveness of God's truth. No, it's to move ahead into the vastness of it. It's to find release and relief in it. This is at least one of the lessons of Pentecost. God was very intentional when he chose this day to be the day that he would send his spirit. Because the day of Pentecost provided vivid and dramatic lifetime associations for his people. Associations that would give them and us hope that better days are coming, greater days are coming, days of more and more and more. i got to confess that I feel like I'm cheating the day of Pentecost when I don't talk about every symbol of the day, the suddenness of it, the wind, the fire, the tongues. The fact that the day of the Pentecost was the day when God's people celebrated the giving of God's law to Moses on Mount Sinai. Each of those powerful, inspirational, vividly instructional symbols for our lives. But this morning, I can only look at one of them and God's people said, Amen. And the symbol at which I want to look this morning is the name of the day, the name of this day. It wasn't always called Pentecost. In fact, the name Pentecost didn't come until much later when the Hebrew Old Testament was translated into the Greek language, which is called the Septuagint. There was a time when this day was called the Day of First Fruits, the Day of First fruits. This is from Numbers 28. On the day of the first fruits, when you offer a grain offering of new grain to the Lord at your feast of weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, but offer a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. We read more about this celebration in Leviticus 23, you shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. Now that is Passover. You shall count 50 days. That's where we get the name Pentecost, Penta 5. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh, seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain Offering of new grain to the Lord, you shall bring from your dwelling places two loaves of bread to be waved as first fruits to the Lord. And so this feast, coming 50 days after Passover, was a very joyful celebration. I'm going to read you this description that comes from the Mishnah about this day. The people made their way to Jerusalem. 
Those who lived near brought fresh figs and grapes, but those from a distance brought dried figs and raisins, an ox with horns bedecked with gold, and with an olive crown on its head led the way, and the flute was played before them until they were near to Jerusalem. And when they arrived close to Jerusalem, they sent messengers in advance to ornamentally array their offering of first fruits. Now, the point of me reading all of this to you is so that we might understand what first fruits symbolize and why God chose the celebration of the day of first fruits as the day that he would send his Holy Spirit. And why Isaiah 55 connects God's word with watering the earth, with seeds and sprouts and harvest. First fruits symbolize that more fruit would follow. First fruits symbolize that more fruit would follow. First fruits boldly proclaim that blight did not kill, rain did not rot, Heat did not scorch, and the bugs did not strip. No, God was faithful. And waving those first fruits in the air is a bold proclamation of hope that God would provide more fruitfulness. When the the worshiper brought the basket containing this first fruit before the Lord, they were to say these words from Deuteronomy 26. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders, and He brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground which you, O Lord, have given to me. The first fruits then are a sign, always a sign that God has worked. He had brought forth first fruit and most certainly more fruit would follow. And so for you and for me, first fruits are a sign that better days are ahead, greater days are ahead, days of more and more and still more. We could say that for us, Those who are indwelled by the Spirit of God every day is like a day of first fruit. God's already produced fruit in you. Do you believe that? God has produced fruit in you already by the power of His Spirit. And by the power of that same Spirit, more fruit will follow. And so Pentecost, the day of first fruit, is a reminder of the vastness of God. And his infinite goodness to us in Jesus Christ, who is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Christ is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. The throne of Christ is eternal. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. All things created through him and for him. Christ and in him. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Listen, how foolish we are. 
to think or to ever submit to the conditioning that we will ever outgrow the, the, the vastness, the infinity, the eternality of who Christ is. That culture will ever advance beyond it. In fact, quite the opposite is true. The further anyone moves away from or beyond Christ, away from His light, away from His heat, then the darker and the bleaker and the colder and the more barren things become. And you need only to look at our confused, chaotic, caustic culture and those who have the microphone in it to know that this is true. But oh, come on. Listen, when you're moving toward Him, toward Christ, into His light, into His warmth, there's growth, there's fruit. And so Pentecost reminds us that no matter where we are with Him, no matter where you are with Him, there's always more. And now I want to read us just a few passages. From the New Testament to give us good hope by looking at what this word first fruit means there. This is from 1 Corinthians 15. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Is that good news? But each in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Jesus is the first fruit, the first resurrection. That gives us hope, does it not? The promise that more resurrections will follow. Guess whose? Yours and mine. Better days are coming. Greater days are coming. Romans chapter 8. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we await eagerly our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. See, we have just the first fruits of the Spirit. No matter how much we have of the Spirit, it's the first fruits. This first means that better days of the Spirit are ahead. Greater days with the Spirit are ahead. Days of more Spirit to follow, more to experience, more fullness, more sanctification of the Spirit. More and more of the Spirit making all things new in us. More and more and more still. First fruits tell us there's more to come. Is that good news? We never outgrow it, never grow beyond it. Romans 16. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Apanatus, who is the first fruit of Achaia unto Christ. And 2 Thessalonians 2. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. 
these converts were just the first converts. More and more and more would follow. Better days are ahead. Greater days are ahead as more and more people come to faith in Christ by the power of the Spirit. This is what Pentecost and the power of the Spirit promise. Never do we outgrow it. Never do we get beyond it. On the contrary, through the power of the Spirit, you and I, we're part of bringing in that harvest and presenting these people, these souls, souls won for Christ to the Lord because we have spoken the good news of the gospel. One more. James chapter 1, verse 18. Tells us that the Father chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Did you hear that? All that he created. Look at the scope of this, the vastness of it. How can we doubt better days are coming? Our redemption is a sign of what God is doing in all of creation. Can you believe it? This is big. This is huge. J.I. Packer writes, The Christian life, the Christian's life in all its aspects, intellectual and ethical, devotional and relational, upsurging in worship and outgoing in witness, is supernatural. Only the Spirit can initiate and sustain it. And He does. And so no wonder this celebration of first fruits was the day that God chose to send His Spirit. Have hope this morning. Wherever you are with the Lord right now, through the power of the Spirit, more is coming. Better's coming. Greater is coming. If you feel pressured to move beyond it, and I know many feel that pressure, don't give in to it. Don't believe the lies. We hear what's going on. We see the attempts to massage and to rework the truth of God's Word, to accommodate our culture, to avoid the embarrassment over God's Word and its antiquated ways. Listen, I get it. I get it. All of us want to be accepted. No one wants to be labeled as unloving, intolerant, unaccepting. And we're conditioned to believe that we must move beyond God's Word in order not to be these things. But know this, people of God, on this Pentecost Sunday, God's Word does not make us any of those things because God Himself is none of those things. In fact, God is the opposite of them as He so clearly demonstrated in Jesus. And so the Spirit of God makes you and me more and more of who Christ is. Loving, gracious, merciful, compassionate, obedient. We have just the first fruits of these things with more to come. Pentecost reminds us that God's truth will always go on. Is that good news? It reminds us that God's church will always go on. Is that good news? It's unstoppable. 
We will never move beyond it, grow beyond it. First fruits are evidence of this. The blight will not win. The rain will not rot. The heat will not scorch. The bog will not strip. The first fruits are in. Is that good news? Hang on. Hope on. Better days are coming. Greater days are coming. Days of more and more and more and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the good news of the gospel, for the good news of your word. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit upon us, his work in us and through us. We thank you, Lord, that it's only the beginning. No matter where we are right now, there is more. And one day, all of eternity to discover the vastness of who you are. Never will we get to the end of you. So we thank you for that. Thank you for what you do in us and through us, through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.